once again, and welcome to episode 106 of Bee Boomer Unleashed. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's podcast, let me remind you where you can always find us. You can always find us at beeboomerunleashed.podbean.com, on iTunes and Google Play at Bee Boomer Unleashed, on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed, on Facebook and Spotify and Instagram, you can find our link at bboomerunleashed. On Twitter, you can find our link at bboomerunleash one And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's bboomerunleashed at gmail.com with your suggestions, your comments, your criticisms, and suggestions for future episodes. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast or know someone who should be a guest on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, why don't you drop us an email and we'll do our best to get you or your friend on the show. Well, today's episode 106, our Just Good News segment, journal entry number four, and we interview a gentleman by the name of Carl Hewlett. Now, Carl was a baseball standout in the Huntington, West Virginia area in high school. He also played uh, baseball at Marshall University, and he was drafted, I think, by the Pittsburgh Pirates. And uh, he had plans of being a major league star, and he was well on his way, but God had different plans. And we're going to find out about that today as we talk with Brother Carl. So without further ado, let's go to that recorded interview now. Well, we're pleased to have a very special guest with us this morning. Uh, an old friend of mine, and I emphasize the word old, <coughs> Brother Carl Hewlett. And Carl is a Huntington, West Virginia native, and uh, he's telling me it's supposed to get up to 70 uh, where he is today. He's down in the Tampa, Florida area now. And uh, Carl has an exciting story to tell us that's uh, kind of been unfolding, still unfolding in his life uh, over the years. So. We're going to be talking about that. Brother Carl, welcome to the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much, my brother Jerry. It's uh, good to be with you all. Well, it's certainly good to have you. And we miss seeing your smiling face. We're going to have to get together over a cup of that Costa Rican coffee one of these days, but uh, that'll be fun. Well, Carl, as we get into this, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family, uh, where you grew up, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I I grew up uh, in Huntington, West Virginia. I was born in uh, Ashland, Kentucky, and my father died when I was just one year old, and then my uh, my mother married again, and and my stepfather died when I was four years old. Oh my! And so I was without. Uh, without a father till about 10 years old uh, and my mother uh, married again and uh, but I grew up in a relatively poor neighborhood in the, in the area of Huntington a place called Martin Terrace and uh, I just got in the habit of throwing rocks and throwing things and getting in trouble and breaking windows and so on and so forth and and my mother finally decided, well, I'm going to do something about that. So she signed me up to play Little League Baseball. Oh, yeah. 
because I had a tendency to get in trouble with my throwing arm. <laughs> was that uh, was that League Six? Is that where you played, or uh, League uh, League Two? Oh, down League the Two West, down the West, West End. Yes, and uh, so I started out in the Pee Wee leagues, and uh, I was ten years old. The Pee Wee is just those are, I guess. Uh, graduates from the, the T-ball and all that other kind of stuff, you know, how the kids start out. And uh, But I went, uh, I started out as a 10-year-old. I got a, a ball glove. I really thought that was something. They dished out some old uniforms, and I played on the uh, New York Yankees team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, hate, I hated the Yankees, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well... If I can't go for the Tampa Bay Rays and my next team is the Yankees, <laughs> because they, they do their spring training. Uh, back when we were collecting ball cards, I probably had Mickey Mantle cards in the spokes of my bicycle. <laughs> I didn't like them at oh, all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, you know, the coach, uh, he said uh, it was Roy Strait. Right. I uh, remember Roy well. Pulled on Roy Strait. And, uh, he says, well, go out and choose your position. And, you know, and all those kids, we went out, and I went straight to the pitcher's mound. Right. And uh, well, so I, I played, and uh, I remember uh, Roy always called me Big Wendy because I was always trying to exhort the other players and hollering out and so on and so forth. <laughs> but he picked me up on his Little League team. He coached a Little League team, and uh, it was the – Steel workers thirty seven twenty nine something like that, and uh, we won. Uh, well, uh, to go back a little bit, uh, we had a pee wee tournament, all star pee wee tournament, and I hit my first home run when I was ten years old. Wow! I was instructed how to hit. I was making some errors on how I was standing, and and then once I learned that, I was in practice one day and hit a ball over the fence. <laughs> And then uh, uh, we played uh, in the tournament. I guess first it was, I think it was a grand slam. But anyway, anyway, uh, we went on to win two uh, city championships. And uh, uh, when I was uh, 13, I made the all-star team for the Babe Ruth League. Right. And, uh, and then when I was 14, I started playing in the independent league down in the West End, and uh, uh, did real well there. And, and when I was 16, I had a tryout with the Cleveland Indians and uh, because they said they'd been observing me and watching me. And uh, when I was in high school, uh, in the 10th grade, our very first game of the year, you know, I thought I was up with the big boys, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, I remember the first game up at Owens, Illinois. I was nervous, and coach called me in to uh, to uh, pitch and to hit. And I got up to bat, and I was nervous, and I hit a ball. I hit a shot out of the Owens, Illinois field. They had the big alley wall up there where the Hudai plant was. Right. And, and uh, I hit a home run the first time up, and it. Next very the next game I started here I was just a tenth grader and uh, won that game and went on and uh, we won two out of three years state championships 
in high school. And who was and your coach there in high school? My high school coach was Jack Cook. Yeah, what a wonderful guy he was. Jack Cook, he was my high school coach in high, uh, for the three years of high school and then for the years in Marshall he, when he gave me a scholarship to play. Because he went from Huntington High, as I was graduating, he went from Huntington High to be the head baseball coach at Marshall. And so he came in April that year before we were even finished, you know, right in the middle of our senior season, gave me a scholarship. And uh, I remember in our uh, our senior year, the cha- after the championship we won, I talked to five different major league scouts. But because I'd already obligated myself to play with Marshall, I couldn't do anything about that. And so uh, anyway, the, the Brother Charity, the, the problem was – well, it wasn't so much a problem, but I, it was it was pride. Right. And I, I just thought I was invincible. And uh, 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 I remember I got to uh, back, back when Cassius Clay first started out. You remember Muhammad? Oh, Ali? yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of coined his phrase, you know, I am the greatest. <laughs> you, were the, you were the Cassius Clay of <laughs> baseball. <laughs> Predictions about when, brother. <laughs> you know, uh, it was. I remember I was 13 and one in my senior year, uh, and when I lost that that game up to upper to Upper Arlington up in Columbus uh, High School, I lost because one of our hitters hit a home run. He forgot to touch second base, and they called him out. But that one run, I got beat, and I was so depressed. Uh, I, I went went back to the motel room and pulled the sheets over my head, and I really didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> and uh, but I made this statement, brother Jerry. And this is a key statement. I told my sister in high school. I said, "I know God's got it written down in heaven that one day I'm going to be in the major leagues." Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't saved. I didn't know Christ. And uh, she said, "Well, that proud attitude." You better you be careful because you'll you'll have a great fall one day. <laughs> and, and I, Didn't know your anyway. sister was a prophet, did you? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, let's see. After in nineteen nineteen uh, 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 when was it nineteen seventy, I signed a contract to play with the Pirates, Pittsburgh Pirates. I went right up to Forbes Field. And tried out in the bullpen uh, in front of Danny Murtaugh, who was a manager. Oh, time. yeah. Remember him well. I believe that year they won the, the World Series. And I was assigned to go down to Bradenton, which is 50 miles south of where I live now. Bradenton, Florida, to the Rookie League. And I did well uh, first year in my Rookie League. Uh, and made the All-Star team. In fact, the first game I pitched, I pitched uh, a 3 hit get shut out against the Cincinnati Reds and uh, I was told by in one particular game I had a no hitter going to the last inning and then uh, Brother Jerry listen can you imagine pitching in 95 degree heat in the middle of the day yeah. and I was so worn out and drenched with sweat and I gave up a, a Texas League single <laughs> an opposite field Texas League single over the third base was hit, and the manager got mad at me because he had bet 
the assistant manager that I was going to throw no hitter. And uh, but anyway, uh, after that, they were ready to send me up to uh, Niagara Falls, Double A League. But I decided to opt out of that, and I just uh, finished the season, went on home. And uh, uh, that year, uh, I went into the Army Reserves. Uh, because back then we had the draft, and I didn't want to get drafted and take two years out of my career. Right. And so the best thing for me to do was go ahead and get in the Army Reserve. So I went in the Army Reserve and went into basic training in October of that year. In fact, that same year was when Marshall had the universe of uh, the plane disaster. Right. In the fall of 1970. And uh, so... Uh, uh, but I but I finished uh, late. In fact, I got special permission from the governor <laughs> to get out just a couple weeks early from uh, my AIT training in Virginia uh, in the service, uh, so I could go to spring training. But I still reported late to spring training down in Florida, and so they sent me up to uh, an A league up in North Carolina. Where I had a two and zero record, I was two and zero right off the bat, and I was so proud, brother. Get Jerry, I thought it was automatic, you know. Going back to that prophecy saying I had, <laughs> I thought it was automatic. I got a knock uh, on my door late at night. It was my manager saying that they would release me and cut me from the team. They didn't need me anymore. So here you have a young man that's uh, had a dream of playing baseball. In fact, I forgot to tell you, when I was pitching for Pittsburgh the first year, I was told by Harvey Haddix, my uh, my pitching coach, he, he said, he called me in his office, and he said, you can make it up. You can make it up to the big team in a year or less. And so it kind of just fed my, my pride. Right. And, uh, oh, I'm automatically going to make it. And uh, my manager came and said, well, you're, you're done. And so that just, oh, it was just like, uh, you know, the roof falling in on me. And and so I was so depressed. I remember the first thing I said when I walked out and getting ready to get on the plane and go back home, I, shook, I looked up in the heaven and I shook my fist and said, God, why did you do this to me? Oh, boy. And... Uh, so I went back home, and I didn't even want to talk to my mother or anybody. And people kept asking me, how are you doing? How's your career doing? I didn't want to talk to anybody. Well, finally, I had to go to the Army Reserve training camp. Every summer, we'd have two weeks of summer camp training. Right. And uh, people would ask me, how's your career going and all that? And, you know, I just felt bad. But during that time, a fella came to give me a... Uh, came up and gave me a gospel tract and his name was David Blakenship and uh, I read that track and I felt strange I like I felt like wow I just uh, you know felt a burden on me and I felt like I've been rejecting God all my life and uh, and maybe he's trying to speak to me you know, I, I take another track and read it and the soldiers, they would go to town or somewhere, and I wanted to stay right home in the barracks and just read those tracks. And finally, after the two weeks, I went back home, 
And I remember I was in bed on Saturday night, and I thought, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what my family thinks. I don't want, I don't care what my friends think. I know Jesus died for me, and I want him to save me from my sins. Amen. And the next morning, Brother Jerry, I woke up with a, a smile on my face. <laughs> and I, first thing I told that was Sunday, I told, I told my wife, I said, honey, we're going to church. <laughs> and uh, so we started going to church, and uh, she belonged to this Presbyterian church downtown, and, you know, the big liberal churches. And I didn't know the difference between one church and another. And all I knew was that I could, I'd read the Bible and I couldn't put it down. Right. But for the first time in my life, <laughs> it came alive. And, uh, uh, and, and so I was in church, and, 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 but I kept studying my Bible while the preacher was preaching because the preaching was so boring. It was like a religious message. That's about it. <laughs> And uh, I know I remember an old man sitting time in the pew. He was snoring. He was asleep. But uh, and then and then the, the the minister later on said, "If anybody like to come up and uh, join the church, you know, after the service, that'd be good. We'll meet you in the back." So I went back in the back room, and there was all the, the deacons, and even had a deaconess and a lady, and. Uh, minister says, well, Carl, uh, uh, speak to us. Uh, what, what, what you want, what you like to do? Would you like to be a member here? Or, and so I started giving my testimony. How God saved me, how I was born again. And <laughs> he didn't know what to think of that. <laughs> I don't think that language was very common there. But <laughs> uh, and so, well, after that, uh, uh, the minister got up and said, "Well, God bless you, son." And he took some, uh, I took a little cup of water and baptized me. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, they had asked. There was another guy there with me, and they asked, uh, uh, you know, to to say something before we got baptized. And they asked why we wanted to get baptized, and that's when I gave my testimony. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, the other guy said, well, I just thought it was good. I heard about the church. I thought it was good to come down and be a member. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> they doused him, too, did they? <laughs> <laughs> so my, my testimony kind of just kind of poured poured water on the, on the fire or on the party or something. I don't know what it was. But anyway, uh, from that time on, I just wanted to be go to church every Sunday, read the Bible. And all I, do, all I wanted to do, Brother Jerry, was witness. Right. People about Jesus. Uh, I got a job in in, uh, uh, in the summer league, uh, teaching little boys how to play baseball. You know, and, uh, but I, all I wanted to do do was ask them if they'd been saved and if they knew Jesus and stuff. Right. And so, uh, my wife told me, she said, "Honey, you're really getting, uh, you're really getting." Uh, you're, you're too much of a fanatic. The next getting carried you, away. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting carried away. The next thing you want to do, you want to, you'll probably want to go to seminary and study for the ministry or something. And I said, wow, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. <laughs> and, uh, and meanwhile, uh, somebody, we, 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 uh, we were going to church uh, one morning. 
and somebody invited us out to some church way out. I don't know where it was, but we were late, so we stopped at a church on Route 60. It was called Souls for Christ Baptist. Right. And uh, that's where I met you. Right. And, and I heard the preaching, and a young fellow by the name of Alan Poe was preaching. He just graduated from Tennessee Temple down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Right. And he was coming back to take over co-pastor along with his father, Jimmy Poe. And I heard him preach, and he was so sincere and straight out of the Bible, clean-cut looking man. I mean, and I said, goodness sakes, where have I been? And uh, I said, I, uh, I'd like to go to the same school as that fellow went, you know. And so... Uh, make a long story short uh, I heard about Tennessee Temple and uh, I made a trip down there and I realized that was a place I wanted to go and uh, just a few months later we went down to Temple that was in the fall of 74 and uh, uh, but in, in through Temple I I was so excited about missions Right. Because one day, I'll tell you why, it was this. I worked in the Pepsi-Cola Bachman Company in Huntington. And uh, that's where I, I met Ed Carter, a football player that was supposed to have been on the plane crash. We crashed, and, and uh, later on, well, anyway, I'm not going to talk about that. But anyway, that's where I met him. But as I was working in the... In the uh, in a plant, a Pepsi Gold plant, a thought came to my head, wouldn't it be great to preach the gospel in a foreign country? And you know, that thing grew and grew and grew and couldn't get away from that thought. And uh, I remember Souls for Christ, Barry Smith. Right. Uh, asked me the question, Carl, what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to be a missionary. And uh, later on, Brother Barry, when I was kind of concerned, because when I was in seminary at Temple, we'd have a missions conference every year, and there'd be about 100 missionaries from all over the world come and show their work. Well, I got so excited about here. You know, I I, I think I was called (laughs) Brother Jerry to five different countries. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go to this place, that place, Japan, Africa, the islands, this place, and that place. And so I was kind of a little bit bewildered and confused. And, and uh, when I returned home to Huntington, I, I'd asked Brother Barry Smith about that. And he asked me, and he said, well, Brother Carl, he said, what is it that you like to do? What is it that you feel God blesses you and it's easy and you, you're comfortable? I said, well, Brother Barry, I like to teach, and I like to just exhort people to, uh, you know, to follow and, and, and be faithful to God. And uh, he said, "Well, you probably got the gift of teaching." And uh, and so, you know what? I began. He said, "Pray about that." And this here I was in the third, fourth year of seminary, and I, and I started praying. Uh, God would show me the right place in the country. And uh, next thing you know, two days later, 
in uh, one of the buildings while I was going to class on a bulletin board, they said wanted teachers to train preacher boys in Costa Rica, <laughs> Central America. And uh, I didn't think a whole lot about it, but I couldn't get off my mind. And one of the men that, uh, well, the man that was going to head up the, the Bible Institute down in Costa Rica, he was a graduate uh, He's a graduate of Temple. I mean, he was there in his last year to graduate. He was going to Costa Rica, and he spoke in seminary. Uh, uh, the meeting. We'd have a seminary meeting on every Tuesday. And we had about 250 men in the seminary. Because, you know, Tennessee Temple was composed of a college, a Bible Institute, and a seminary. Right. And, uh, and so... Uh, after he spoke, I wrote him a letter, and he got back with me and said I was the only one that responded out of a whole bunch without blowing the coat because he was trying to recruit teachers to go down there. And so he said, well, Brother Carl, I'll be at this church on Sunday night. If you'd like to come and see, I'll be showing slides and talking about the ministry. And so what I did is I prayed and prayed and prayed. And uh, I fasted uh, on that day, on that Sunday, where uh, where I'd be going to see him on that Sunday night. And so we went to church, and we saw him, heard him preach. He preached on Romans 12, verse 1, giving your body living sacrifice. He showed his slides. I went up on the in the invitation, and I remember saying this. I said, Lord... I'm going to Costa Rica. You're going to have to stop me. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't the slides and the beautiful people in the country and all that. It was that living sacrifice. Amen. That got to me. And uh, <laughs> and it just uh, it seems like God opened the doors wide open. And I couldn't sleep that whole next night. Wow. And I go ahead and go to work because I worked in a factory, and uh, but I was so excited. And our first trip to Costa Rica, a survey trip, we had to have like three hundred fifty dollars for a plane ticket. I didn't have any money, and uh, all I knew was to pray. Had to have the money in by that Friday, which was two days later. And so I got some men together I knew that could reach heaven. We got down on our knees and prayed. And, claim the victory mm. and uh, got up and Thursday night came around here was right to get next to the deadline I hadn't heard a thing and uh, one of the men called made a phone call like that night. he said brother Carl have you got that money yet I said no brother he said since I got up off my knees, God has not let me rest. He says, I have the money put back my schooling, but I'm going to give it to you so you can fly to Costa Rica. <laughs> wow. Wow. And so, you know, it just got to get to work. I tell you, he just opened the door wide open. And on that trip, Brother Jerry, I remember going down the street, and, and I was so happy. I got my Bible and just started walking down along the streets there in the neighborhood. And all these, these little kids would come up and, yeah, you know, you know, I didn't want to say. But finally ran into this guy. He was walking down the street. His name was, I believe his name was, 
Carlos Alvarez. And he said he was 22 years old. He asked me, he said, do you like my country? Because he could speak English a little bit. I said, yes, beautiful. So I began to, I had my Bible with me. And I opened up the Bible, and he accepted Christ right there on the street. Amen. <laughs> and then we went to church that Sunday and got baptized. <laughs> so God was confirming. God said, this is the country, right? <laughs> And so we uh, we had a ministry there. We were in Costa Rica for uh, eight years, from 1980 to 1988. And uh, uh, I remember our first person I was able to lead the Lord. Uh, I was just praying, burden for souls, and I was just getting just got out of the language institute you know fresh out spent eight years eight months in the in the language institute learning spanish and i got out of the trimester earlier because i felt i could handle it and uh and and, and i remember over oh, there was an empty house uh about half a block from where we lived and i remember there was a guard there and i just walked out with my bible over to where that guard was started talking to him and took him through the uh, plan of salvation. He accepted Christ right there. And he went to church later, got baptized and, and everything. And I remember that man coming back a, a couple of months later. I lost track of him. His name was Saul. <laughs> and he had another guy with him. And he knocked on my gate on the house when I came out. And he, he was introducing me to his friend. He said, he said, this he's pointing to me he said this is my savior <laughs> <laughs> oh boy I'll tell you what but anyway that's how it started out I started in teaching and uh, just God just gave me grace and uh, so we spent eight and a half years I, I, I trained preacher boys in the institute we helped of course we were in church planning and uh, it, it was just a marvelous marvelous career and then I came back I uh, came back to the States because God gave me the special burden to work with a national preacher to help him. And at that particular time, I was with uh, a big mission board, BIMI, and they didn't have that type of ministry in their program. They were just American missionaries. And so I resigned from BIMI and went home, came back, and I was in Huntington, and a friend of mine who was a fellow Army Reservist and and uh, college graduate he, from Marshall, George Terlizzi. Right. And and uh, he had, uh, I had witnessed him before he got saved, but he got saved. I miraculously changed his life and was down in Tampa, down here, with the church, and he invited me to come down because he knew I was between the ministry. He wanted me to come down and check out the Hispanic uh, community down here, and so I came down with Nancy, and we uh, we liked it, and we moved down. And while we were here, uh, started a, a church, and then I started a mission called Good Shepherd Global Mission, uh, which was to help national preachers in their ministries. Uh, and, and so we established it. And, and then I called, I invited one of my 
former students in Costa Rica who was an evangelist traveling all the country, Isabel Chacon, you remember him? Oh, yeah. And so he came over with his family. We got his visa and everything, and he came over here, and he got started. And, and so I stayed and worked with him for a while, and, uh, let's see, a few years, and we developed a church, worked with the church. I worked developed a mission, and he took over the church. So I went back to Costa Rica for two and a half more years, and during that time, I was working with one of our missionaries, Brother Guillermo Rojas, down there. Uh, during that time, uh, my pastor friend, Brother George, decided to move on. He resigned from uh, the Good Shepherd Baptist Church, and uh, and so another pastor, they were without a pastor for a good while, uh, but once the new pastor came in, he was he came with a different vision than I had, and he didn't like my idea of working with the national missionaries. Right. And so our mission, Good Shepherd Global Mission, was no longer in existence because we pulled out of that church. And uh, it was later when I was back in Huntington that my mother was sick and she finally died. She had surgery and finally died. Then I met Dr. Talbert Moore of the Gospel Preacher Association out of Lawrenceville, Georgia. He was in town preaching, and so I met with him and explained my ministry, and he agreed with me 100%. He said, I, I am totally agreeing with that type of ministry. He said, we need to support that. We need to work with these national preachers because they'll be the ones that, to, after the American missionaries out, they'll, they'll be the ones that take, carry on with the ministry. Right. Besides that, they, they know their culture. They know their language. They uh, And uh, so... Uh, that's how it started. So I went with the Gospel Preacher Association, and I was the first one to bring the Spanish ministry into the mission because they started out in Europe and expanded in different countries, but they didn't have any Spanish ministry. So I was the first one to bring it, and I, I became the uh, the director of Spanish mission for the Gospel Preacher Association, and that's that's been since 1998. And so we've been with the Gospel Preacher Association over 22, 23 years. And my my ministry is to uh, to help uh, sponsor help, uh, the the national preacher, helping get he raise his support, helping get his needs. We do projects on the field, building projects. I've taken groups, college groups down to the field, let them get a taste of missions. Uh, take preachers down, let them preach all over the country. We have I think eight eight missionary families in Costa Rica, uh, uh, some of which I you know, help train personally. And, uh, and then we've got missionaries now in, uh, I think, eight foreign countries. Well, U.S. and seven other foreign countries. In fact, I can tell you what they are. They're Costa Rica, of course, Panama. Uh, we've got works with the Indians in Panama. Uh, uh, working, uh, uh, we've got a couple guys, young men in Colombia. Uh, we've got a new missionary in Peru. We've got uh, two missionaries in Venezuela. Just just uh, recruited a, a new missionary in Venezuela. Tremendous work he had going. We have two men in Mexico doing great work. Man in Honduras has a children's home, school. Uh, as far as Nancy goes, my wife, she has, she's a registered nurse graduating from Marshall uh, Nursing, and she's all, she always had a dream of being a uh, medical missionary in fact uh, and it wasn't saved you know after I got saved and 
uh, I remember having a dream, and I prayed to God that me and Nancy could work together as a team on the mission field. And during that during that dream, I woke up and I was holding her hand, and and she went to church uh, one Sunday when Doctor Dolphus Price was preaching. Oh yeah. And uh, oh, I tell you, she started trembling during the invitation. And uh, a lady in, in the back helped her go up front, and she got saved by born again miraculously. And uh, she has in our ministry, been able to participate in several, and I've, I've worked with her, too, on uh, medical mission trips, uh, where we go down and we have a medical clinic with doctors and nurses to reach the people for Christ through, through medicine. And in fact, she's taken a couple of trips over to the Philippines. Right. Uh, not with, I didn't go with her, but, but uh, uh, she has just been a tremendous help and uh, uh, help me to me. And uh, we we're on hold now because of the COVID thing. <laughs> Hopefully right. get back in unless the Lord comes back first, brother. But uh, I look back on all this and uh, uh, remember when I made that statement, I believe God's got it written down in heaven one day I'm going to be in the major leagues. Right. You know, my, my idea, God's idea of the major leagues is a little different than mine. Amen, I'm in the major leagues, brother. <laughs> so you went from the ball field to the mission field, and uh, wow, what a uh, what a difference that has made. And, uh, yeah, I did, probably didn't mention half the stuff. I later was inducted in the Marshall Hall of Fame baseball, and also I was inducted back in uh, when they first started the Hall of Fame for Huntington High, 19, I think it was 1990. Yeah, it was 1990. I was inducted into that. But I, I I had that proud attitude, uh, you right. know, brother. I, I, I'm afraid. That's why I tell you what, God's going to automatically got it written down in heaven. I'm going to be up in, in the big leagues. There's no no shortage of pride going around in uh, our country and a lot of other countries. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks think that they're large and in charge, but God's in control, and uh, he's uh, uh, sooner people understand that, the sooner... Uh, they get a little peace in their life. Well, Brother Carl, let me ask let me ask you this before we wrap it up here. Uh, if somebody wanted to know more about your mission uh, or uh, Nancy's work or the Gospel Preachers Association, uh, uh, how could they find out about that? Do they have a website or anything? Well, uh, you could just go to... Uh, Let's say G-P-A-M-M dot org, I believe that's it. G-P-A-M-M dot org. That's Gospel Preacher Association Mobilization Ministries dot org. And it may be dot com, but I'm pretty sure it's dot org. Uh, and it tells all about trips and ministries and things like that. So there are some there are there some opportunities for some short term mission trips and uh, that thing with with your group. Yes, yes, but everything's been put on hold. With, yeah, with one, this COVID business. Yeah, we had uh, a, a, a tremendous clinic a couple of years ago in Honduras, and they were wanting to make another one, but they've kind of had to uh, they've kind of had to put one to put it on hold. 
calls, and, and they have a mercy ship uh, that they they bought and uh, worked on it for a number of years, and finally got it uh, working, and it's parked down in uh, I believe in uh, uh, down in, down in Mississippi, down around Gulfport, Mississippi, and ready to go. And the, and the ministry will be like a medical clinic on board with a vacation Bible school preaching. And it go to, it'll go to different ports of, uh, down through Central America and the Caribbean and stop off and be coordinated with a local church in that area. And uh, it's a tremendous ministry, but everything's been put on hold because of the, the COVID. Well, uh, maybe that'll be behind us soon. We can only well, we can only hope. Yeah, and you know, from time to time, we do conferences and things in, in Costa Rica where I like preachers, and uh, but. We'll see what the Lord has. You know, the time's winding down. You know, Jesus is coming. Amen. Coming soon. Maybe today. Maybe today. You know, so. something I wanted to say, Brother Jerry, too, is the fact that when you when a missionary's called to the field, he's not called to a particular country. He's called to a work. Right. And so when I started looking at my spiritual gift, what that spiritual gift was, that's what where God directs. He directs you to a work and not to a specific country, because that country could change, but your work stays the same, continue that spiritual gift. And so I think folks need it. Uh, uh, the, the key passage for that would be Romans 12, 1 and 2 and 3, about your you know your body being a living sacrifice and then keying in on your spiritual gift, transformed by the ruling of your mind. you got to think, what is that spiritual gift that God's called me to? And I can't think more highly than I should. Like, I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm not going to be a big, some big administrator. But according to the grace that God has given every man, a measure of faith, and I think if people would key on that, Brother Jerry, they'd have they'd have an easier time finding God's will. Amen. That's good advice for people seeking God's will, for sure, because, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of folks say, well, I want to do this or I want to do that, and just let God put his rubber stamp on it, approval on it, but it doesn't work that way. You just got to find out uh, where... Uh, yeah, where your abilities and talents lie. And you've got to get into the Word of God, number one, and you've got to get into a good local church, start serving the Lord, and God will start showing you your spiritual gifts. Amen, brother. Well, Brother Carl, it's been uh, just wonderful uh, chatting with you again, and uh, uh, one of these days we'll have a long time to sit down in heaven and do a little chatting. And, uh, but I uh, appreciated you and Nancy and your family and the work that uh, you all have done over the years. Oh. And uh, we uh, we appreciate you coming I, on the podcast. I do a lot of my work here and all of us here in my house because uh, I'm on WhatsApp and I've been in constant communication with all the missionaries. Just, right. And so, it, it, you know, the ministry goes on. I even preach sometimes on that Zoom. But Just anyway. imagine if this pandemic had happened a few years ago before you had Zoom and live stream and all that stuff, you know. Oh, no. It would, it would be bad. Well, brother, thanks thanks again. We uh, really appreciate you coming on, and uh, I appreciate, um, uh, like I say, what you've done, and you're welcome on the Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast. Anytime you ever figure out something else you want to talk about, give me a call, and we'll talk about that too, Okay. Sounds wonderful, my brother. Right. Lord bless you now. Lord bless you. Well, I certainly hope you enjoyed our interview with Brother Carl Hewlett there. And as we listen to his good news story and 
Uh, he's a great guy. I've known Carl for years and years, and uh, he certainly uh, has had an interesting life, and God has used him in miraculous ways. Well, listen, it's been uh, great being with you folks today. wouldn't be much fun if uh, you weren't here sharing this time with us, and I hope uh, that you'll come and be with us again on our next episode. But until then, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. Goodbye.